Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Ad Astra, directed by James Gray and released in 2019. The plot of the movie goes something like this. Astronaut Roy McBride travels across the solar system to uncover the truth about the doomed expedition that led to his father's disappearance. And before we get into any spoilers about this movie, we'll do a little spoiler-free section to let you guys know whether or not you should see it. Um, Melissa, should people see this movie? Um, I mean, there's some stuff to like in here, but it's overall, it's not as clever as it thinks it is. And it also borrows slash pays homage to a lot of other better or more original films. So there's some stuff in there that's okay. I, I didn't actually have a bad time watching it. it, kept me engaged and I found it quite transporting. Um, and I was interested in the world building, but overall, it, technically it's quite good, but it's got a lot of good technical aspects, but there's the story isn't really there. So it didn't sort of, it didn't hold me in the way that I know. I also got that vibe of it thinks it's cleverer than it actually is. And that always annoys me. Yeah. I, I uh, would describe this movie as ponderous. It's thinking about the big ideas of life and showing you beautiful images of space as it thinks and talks about the big oh. ideas of life. Um, it's definitely not my thing. Mm. I think there are people whose thing is stuff like 2001, A Space Odyssey, but like with fathers and sons that are going to love this. They're yeah. going to go crazy over this. They're going to be like, wow, it's amazing. I think Brad Pitt does some really good work in it and some work that is interesting, but like – but yeah, he does good work, but he's also not given a heck of a lot to work with. But um, okay, in a lot I'm, of places, we need to talk about this later because I have another comparison that I want to make. That, mm. But, <laughs> but um, two thousand and one is interesting because, like, yeah, visually it's beautiful. It's got a very mid-century vibe about it. Like, yeah, I noticed that, time. right? Especially on some of the stuff in the middle. Yeah, is... well, I think some there's some of the stuff before they leave Earth is I get that vibe. Like, it feels like a I don't know, all the president's men kind of stuff. There's people talking in. Um, in darkened rooms and things like that. That gave me a real 70s vibe. Like, a, yeah. Oh, see, I got the kind of a, like, 50s almost melodrama yeah. vibe or, like, 60s kind of psychedelic but vibe from mid, some bits of it. Mid-century, anyway. Yeah. And it looks like it was shot on film. Um, mm. Again, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, I think there will be some people who, whose thing it is. I also, and, like, let's put this on the record, I think 2001 Space Odyssey is a better film than this, even though it's not my thing. Like, there's aspects to this that – drove me up the wall <laughs> in that respect so yeah yeah i just feel like i'm maybe not the best like i there just is, didn't enjoy it very there's much there's definitely an audience for this and like all the early oscar buzz around brad pitt and all that kind of stuff but it's i think it's no accident that this was shot by christopher nolan's cinematographer because it's the same sort of hype that we see around nolan movies that that they have a, an audience there's people who really love them but other than dunkirk i've never really loved a christopher nolan movie and i don't and you're the same i know i love inception but i don't love dunkirk i like so inception, inception too. is my favorite nolan movie in, but see the things for me again like inception has a real sense of fun about it yeah. right it is still a ponderous movie it thinks deep thoughts but there's fun elements to it there's elements to it that are just there for like the sake of enjoying the film, mm. like the fight in the rotating oh, that's so hallway great. Yeah. with Joseph Gordon-Levitt is fantastic. The um, chemistry between Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Tom Hardy and all that, like, you know, the bantery, heisty mm. friend stuff is there for enjoyment's mm. sake. It's there f so that you can have fun watching the movie. Mm. There's about 
one and a half minutes of a really enjoyable cameo in this movie that yes. lifted the whole thing and then that goes away and I was like, oh, man. Yeah, I, we'll like, talk about that when we – yeah, I was like, oh, comic with, relief. Somebody with, like, life and, and yeah. you know, energy has come into this movie. Of comic relief. Um, and then it goes then away again and you're like, again. oh, God. Yeah. So I think that kind of – it just very, feels a bit relentless. It's, yeah, it's very heavy going. And not in a, like – like you found Gravity a bit relentless as well, and yeah. this reminded me of Gravity. Um, me too. But again, Gravity's a better film. But Gravity is like relentless in a very purposeful way. Yeah. Whereas this just felt relentless in a, like a more kind of yeah, because it, it was both more like downbeat way. Yeah, exactly. Because it was both like the ongoing things keep getting worse aspect to it, which is Gravity. But Gravity kept you going, whereas this kind of. There was lots of slow, ponderous bits in between. Mm-hmm. And, oh, God, and the voiceover. My God, the voiceover was annoying. To me, this movie is a series of psych sessions yeah. with some spacey bits in between. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But we should okay. get into the spoilers. Yes, let's do that because it's, um, yeah, we've got quite a bit to talk about there, I think. Yeah. Um. So if you haven't seen the movie and you want to, after all of that, go out and see it and then come back and listen to this and we'll tell you – you know, in more detail. Who, who the why one and we, a half minute cameo is. Yeah, and in more detail why we liked or didn't like this movie. So the movie that I want to compare it to is First Man. Oh, yeah. Because I feel very much as though Brad Pitt's character in this was based on um, Neil, Armstrong. Neil Armstrong. Like, he, he, it seemed to me like he was based on Neil Armstrong, mm. but, like, if Neil Armstrong had actually, you know, like – like a few generations later. Changed. Yeah. Like if he like, had gone through some sort of revelation. But mm. it's like, because the thing is, there's this scene really early on where Brad Pitt is told that Tommy Lee Jones is alive, mm. right? And like, you know, they're in this meeting. Fred Armisen was there and um, he's, they're showing him these photos of Tommy Lee Jones. Mm. And I'm like, oh gosh, I wonder if we're going to see him. And then they're like, oh, we think your dad is still alive. I'm like, no kidding, really? You cast Tommy Lee Jones. We oh, know. See, I'd read the plot summary. So I knew that that was like, he was looking oh, for his okay. missing father played by Tommy Lee Jones. So I was like, well, obviously he's going to be alive. See, I've seen the posters. And obviously he's going to be bad. Yeah. I've seen the posters and this is Brad Pitt's best role and he's going to win an Oscar. And mm. that's I had no idea who else was in yeah. this. I had no idea, like, what the story was. I knew nothing yeah. except that it was Brad Pitt. There's a lot of buzz around it. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know if it was set in the future. I knew nothing. No. Right? Like, well, that's, that's actually nothing. a good way to go into it. But yeah, I, 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 I never seen I don't a trailer. Know that it was. Yeah. It didn't really enhance. I don't think it really enhanced anything for me. But um, during that scene, when he says his father is still alive, they do. And I think there's really good sound design on this movie. Mm. They do this thing where all the background sound fades out and it it sort of tightens in on this micro expression on Brad Pitt's face. Mm. And I was like, already a better performance than Ryan Gosling. Because <laughs> I can see that he's feeling things. <laughs> yeah. Brad Pitt did, a, I think, really quite a good performance in this. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that, like, the way the story is put together and some of the stuff that they make him do later on, it just the, – the whole relationship with his dad is just not well established. It's all in voiceover. Yeah. And then at the end, we're supposed to expect that this is a guy who had this like abusive dad who was pretty horrible to live with, and he's gone uh, gone looking for him anyway. But we don't know that. We don't but, know that his dad was abusive or horrible to live with. There's no nothing. Well, in they, this they movie, try. That... They do try and indicate that, but they don't set it up properly. Like they try and and talk about him, um, you know, being really tough on his son and all that kind of stuff. And they and they're clearly trying to set up something that the dad was horrible, but they don't actually establish that. So we get there, and he's rejected by his dad again, and his dad betrays him. And Brad Pitt does all this work, yeah, really good work. He lets a single tear go down his cheek, and all this kind of stuff. 
and he worked really hard to sell that, oh, my God, I had this experience. I tried really hard and he's still, I'm still being rejected by my dad. But there's nothing in the movie to set that up except Ooh. that he's trying to make that happen. But, yeah, because we don't – like, I didn't know, even know his dad was abusive. Like, well, just some of the comments that... he made about, like, work work hard, play later, and work now, play later, and all yeah, that. Yeah, but that was more, like, like, of his work obsession. That, that was that, but there was – like, I think there was, there was something that... possibly in voiceover about – him being a bit of a prick, anyway. But that was the vibe that I got. But it yeah, was because you I were kept... meant to. They were me- you were meant to though. They were meant to establish that as a thing, and they didn't. And it kind of makes the whole ending like the ending's bleak anyway. But it also just kind of makes it not feel earned. I don't think the ending is bleak, but that's um the the there were these momentary flashbacks of him like mm. hugging his mother and so- yeah. And at some point, somebody pulls. Well, he talks him. about how he's scared of the rage in his father that he sees. Oh, that's right. But I yeah. see. I was not paying much attention to that particular so the, monologue. This is the problem because that was the moment when it jumped the shark for me. Because I was like, "Why the monkeys?" The monkeys also monkeys what? were the jump the shark moment for me. She was like, "Rabid monkeys, really? Why this monkeys? is what you're doing? Like, why did the monkeys go rabbit and attack everybody? What, what does this have to do with this story? It's Nothing. So, it's, it's so pointless, and it's such an aside. And all it does is serve to kill off the pilot of that, the, the captain ship. of that ship. That's all it does. It was so dumb, and I was like, "Why are they?" monkeys and it's so distracting it's so you're like the entire audience was the all seven people were like oh my god monkeys wait what <laughs> we it's like you've you've jumped into another movie yeah. like some kind of horror movie or something or like is it something much schlockier and this is tr- selling itself as a prestige picture and then suddenly With, like evil cg monkeys rabid monkeys <laughs> rabid space monkeys which is actually a joke on firefly exactly. maybe that was why it was there i, I was like i've seen i've seen this movie before but it's not the one like and this is what this movie thinks it thinks it's 2001 a space odyssey it thinks it's apocalypse now it thinks it's gravity it thinks it's first man but it is like not those movies i just why monkeys i don't i think if you had taken that one scene out of this movie entirely or just had a person go crazy and attack everybody else on that ship i would be still on board for this yeah like i would still understand what this movie was it was the monkeys that made me go no yeah you've lost every and then there's the other moment is when he and ruth negger are uh, talking. I'd love to see them in a different movie, actually, because I think they were really good together. Mm. Um, but when he and Ruth Negger was talking about, like, he saw the video of his dad admitting that he'd killed the people, uh. and like his reaction then, and I was like, this is very different from every other scene, and it, the whole scene felt very emotionally different from any other scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. I was like what is happening in this scene? And that's the bit where it hit like 50s melodrama sort of stuff. Yeah. Because everything that... had been all that, you know, little touches and little things and then it was like this big sudden thing. Yeah. And I was like, what is happening? I know. It's like, and the way it was built up with all the, the way the lighting kept changing and like mm-hmm. building up behind him and this, oh, it was so strange. I didn't mind this, like the way it was, sh- the strangeness of the shot and stuff. Well, that It worked very well because it, it told the story much better than the movie told the story. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was just that, uh, again, was a moment where I was completely taken out of it. And I was like, this is so unlike anything else that we've seen in this movie. Mm. Can I also point out that if like uh, both of them are idiots, because if they just let the other ship go, <laughs> three more people would be alive at the movie and at the end of the movie than were. And his dad would still be dead and the place would still be blown up. They just would have blown it up. Yeah. Right? Like, 
same outcome. Same outcome, but three more alive people. Yeah, th- not murdered by Brad Pitt, by the way. Who, well, well, yeah, I kept for the rest like, of the movie. I was, I was like, so, so firstly, he's going after his father, who's a bad guy because he murdered his whole crew by murdering the whole crew of the spaceship he's on, which I think was supposed to be like a meta, like a you know connection yeah. thing, and like he didn't directly murder any of the people on the spaceship. Mm. Right, it was all self defense. I do it understand also, that, but he he essentially murdered them by like if he had been in their position mm. and somebody had gotten on the ship and said, "I'm not here to hurt you," and the command people were going, "You should kill them," he would have killed them. He yeah. was a mission obsessed. Like he would have done exactly the same thing. Yeah, probably just been more effective because he was actually a killer Good rather than a job. scientist. Yeah. Mm. Well, no, the other people oh, weren't yeah. bad he's, at their jobs. They were just yeah. scientists and engineers. Well, and this is, they weren't they weren't in the army or yeah. anything. And well, yeah, this is where I got the Neil Armstrong vibe as well because I was like, he he's probably a test pilot, especially the way mm. he like hand lands the spaceship yeah. when yeah you know, when the autopilot goes and the the co pilot can't deal with it. Yeah, yeah. The others are just they're like. He he says they're like long haul scientists and engineers and people yeah, who are yeah. out there. Yeah, whereas know. he do, he really did. You get the feeling of yeah, like someone who was a test pilot or whatever. Yeah. Like, so they no, weren't even strong. like remotely equipped to be able to deal with him. Mm. He didn't give them any warning. Like those poor people died for nothing. Yeah, because they did their jobs exactly the way he would. He is not innocent in that scenario. No, like if he had just not gone on that ship, ah. <laughs> just be three. And there's. No repercussions. No. There's no consequences. He just goes, history will have to decide, and then there's nothing. No. This is like white privileged, like the white movie. privileged astronauts, the movie. He even like basically gets the job because his dad did it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, he literally gets this job because it was his dad. Because that's the only reason he goes out there. They're yeah. using him to And the get crew to his that dad. he kills, including, including the captain who gets killed not by directly by Brad Pitt, but by rabid monkeys. Like the multi they're a multiracial crew, right? Yeah. Um, and the the and co-pilot the, captain was also a white guy. Yeah, and there's a, a black woman on the crew who dies in almost the same way as one of the rabid monkeys, which I was like, is that intentional? Because I don't think you guys meant to do that. She just fell, didn't she? She well, yeah, but it was the same kind of shot of like she fell against the glass and like there was oh. blood everywhere. It just it, to me it was like too similar, too soon. I'm like, that's a bit off. Oh, I didn't notice that, but probably is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the movie was like, let's put lots of people like. In minor roles, people of color and stuff in minor roles, so that we don't have to cast any major roles with them, so that we can have Donald Sutherland and Tommy and, Lee Jones and, and Brad don't, Pitt. Don't give them any speaking parts. Like that meeting you talk about before with Fred Armisen, like there's a, a black lady in there. She has like four lines in the whole scene. The rest yeah. of it, it's mostly the the white guys talking. Yeah. Ruth Nagger gets a bit to do. She gets yeah. more to do than Liv Tyler. Oh, I know. Liv Tyler. Who I, plays Eve. Her character's name oh, good is Eve. So one hour, 15 minutes is when the the one single Liv Tyler line happens or the whatever, like the, that's her first line. Hmm. And she really doesn't have many others because even at the end when they're like re- reuniting uh, and I'm like, Liv, which you rem- could do better. Which reminded me so much of First Man. Yeah. Because um, again, they stand there and they look at each other and they don't talk to each other. Yeah, and I was like, exactly. did you watch First Man right before making this yeah. or something? Poor Liv Tyler. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, my God, the misuse of her. that She has this speech when he's in space, like, that he watches mm. the video of where she's like, I'm my own person. And I'm like, based on what? Yeah. Based, literally. You, there's no evidence in this movie that you're your own person. All you do is pine over him and then leave him and then come back at the end. Yeah. Like, that's and then he pines over you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's everything that happens between, uh-huh. like, it's just. I know. I mean, this movie very much does not pass the Bechdel test because, no. like, there's no scene where there's more than one woman. No, there isn't. Maybe the Natasha Leone scene. 
because the astronauts would be coming through. So the lady astronaut from the When she says ship, hello earthlings to yes, us. Oh, the lady astronaut from the ship would have been in the same vicinity as Natasha Leone. That hello earthlings was definitely directed at her. Yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, I mean not for passing the bachelor test, just for having two women in the same scene. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that's the only time it happens. But yeah, God, yeah, no, Natasha Leone, I'm so sad she was only in it for like a minute because she, I was like, oh my God, it's such a relief. Like it was, co- it was actual comic relief, but it was also just like relief but from this movie. She wasn't even particularly funny. She was just sort of being personality. There. Exactly. She was just being there and having a personality mm. and being a, a sort of a bright, happy person. Yeah, she's like, yeah, she's the kind of person who would be like processing you through the Mars station. You know, yeah. like it was, it was nice. Yeah, it was. It was really nice, but it was also kind of distracting in a way because well, it was just like, oh, a person, a real person who has a personality in life and cares. You know, yeah, tries to be nice to people. Yeah, like tries to. I mean, the astronauts all kind of did that, but it was this muted scene. Yeah. Where, like, they were all being happy while he moped somewhere. Yeah. Which is sort of a lot of the movie, really. Yeah, well, but, my God. I feel they're so disconnected and disenchanted. Like, get out of your own head and be, like, talk to your colleagues. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but he had to think really deep thoughts. Like, we are world eaters. You know, really, like, common just normally phrased things that everybody thinks sometimes. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that vo- we are, yeah, we are world that voiceover. Like uh, one of the things that at least I've learned in storytelling is if you've got a voiceover, then you're not like if you've got if you're over relying on a narration, then you haven't told the story well. And my god, I felt that in this movie, especially of all the stuff that went on in that narration that like just skips, passes you by because like it's actually got really engaging visuals, really good visuals. And you're actually watching the movie and not necessarily listening to him rabbiting on in his random psych sessions in his head. The psych sessions and the narration were like, there's also bits of information, like key bits of information that he drops. In there, yeah. In there, but so much of it is not key information. No. That you're just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Then the, it's also weird the way that any scenes happen, <sighs> right? Like the fight with the pirates, the moon pirates. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Like, they knock him off into a crater. Yeah. And then they just him and drive Donald off. Sutherland. And he and Donald Sutherland survive that fall and he drives off to yeah. wherever he's got to go. By the way, what happened to Donald Sutherland? We nev- It never comes back. He but- radios in, says he was taken for emergency surgery, and then we hear nothing ever again. We tries to get through to him later, but his codes yeah, it won't, um, work. won't work. But, like, nothing. Also... Like no, but what happened to Don? Was he having a heart attack? Was that was what was happening? Who knows? <laughs> was he shot and nobody noticed? Like yeah. it doesn't tell you did they, why did, he suddenly starts well, dying. Well, yeah, or did like um, space com or whatever they called send him on that mission because he knew he was dying and it would the trip to the moon would probably do him in or I don't know. Nobody knows. Although I, Donald Sutherland did come in and go, I'm going on this mission with you. And I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, clearly, safe travel must be, space travel must be much safer now because you mm. are too old to be going to space. Yeah, I know. Right. Well, the, the last bit, the bit where he was actually, you're going to fly commercial to the moon. I did quite enjoy, like, they clearly had some fun with that idea of, like, mm. that you fly commercial to the moon. And he's like, I need the blanket and pillow package. Mm. And she's like, $125. Um, and then they get to the moon and there's an Applebee's and stuff. But that's 2001 a space. Yeah. Life. Exactly. It's from another better movie that did it 50 years earlier. Because I noticed, because I was like, oh, yeah, of course the one female captain is on the commercial flight and also the uh, Mm. woman is 
like it, it's exactly the same as 2001 yeah. a space odyssey where the only space place for women in space was as like waitresses mm-hmm. i got frustrated with that in 2001 yeah yeah and then here they are doing it i mean they did have other women in space in this yeah, movie. yeah. although like natasha leone and, and no Ruth other captains no except for that that lady on the first one and like still a lot of white dude captains mm. but anyway yeah yeah, I, I was also surprised that they let Donald Sutherland go on that trip across Mars with, with the moon. with potential uh, across the moons. Sorry, with potential yeah. pirates. And then the guy who was escorting them, like two seconds before the pirates appeared, we see a picture of his wife and child. Yeah, you're like, oh well, he's doomed. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah, exactly. It, this movie is. It's like I'm. We're such a clever movie, and then it falls into such cliches like that. That that sort of thing, and like, what was it? When he was on Mars and he had been denied um, and put into a comfort room oh, God! and the door started opening, mm. I was like, oh, it's going to be Ruth Negger. Mm. They're going to have some sort of connection and she's – because otherwise why would she be here? Yeah. Like it's so kind of predictable in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. But uh, honestly, even then I was still mostly engaged until he actually went into space for 79 days, at which point I kind of just – sort of switched off yeah i was a bit tuned out by that point as well i was a bit tired it's like oh look delirium is setting in yeah yep delirium is still setting in let's do some more of delirium setting okay yeah like the thing is and and here's another better movie that did this kind of long distance space travel the martian Mm. which talked about this kind of and here which is and begs another question um that uh jelly brought up with me after we watched it um tommy lee jones has been on that station for like 30 years Mm -hmm. like what has the food run out? What's what's he eating? How is he sustaining himself? What's he drinking out on Neptune like that? Like, there's no he didn't eat the bodies of the other people who, which are remarkably well preserved, given that they were killed like twenty years earlier. Yeah, but they'd been in a vacuum for thirty years. Yeah, like he he'd cut off all the life support in that area yeah. and never went back in there. So yeah, but like, but what's he eating? What's he drinking? Like, how is he surviving out there? I don't know. I There's also, so many questions. and then I also, had those thoughts and then I was like, you know what? They just have like enough food for whatever, yeah. four people for 10 years and he's killed three of them. So he's so taking all, all their food, I, and drinking I, all I, their water. Yeah. They may have water recycle, urine recycle. I didn't think too much of it either. But um, presumably, yes, there are answers to those questions. But I, I was also thinking that like the, the Martian does a long space trip like that, a long solo space trip too, I think. Um, no, the, no, no, it's a long trip with Jessica Chastain and the crew and mm. then he's on his own. But like there's so many more ways to make a person in space on their own be more engaging than that. Mm. But yeah, no, I I sort of did the whole what is he eating and drinking. There's a lot of things that they just don't bother explaining mm. to. Like when he was on that space, the cool communications space station that was just outside Earth right at the beginning. Oh, the, oh that opening scene. That, by the way, was really well done. I know. When that happened, I was like, oh, this is going to be a really interesting mm. movie. Little did I know. Yeah, um, no, the space aerial. That was amazing. Also, also that has no consequences. He is the sole survivor of a sole, a thing that hits that. Yeah. And he falls to earth and his parachute breaks, but somehow he survives. And they call him in for a debrief on it. And the whole the only thing they do is send him on another mission. Like, there are no consequences to that. People didn't notice that like an entire crew of a space needle died apart from one guy who had a miraculous escape. Like, guys. There's no, they n- noticed. But like there was no th- – that just kind of was a thing that happened and then no, cause we that moved was on. The, but that was the thing that set like – the danger of that and the fact that there were those yeah, people who died the whole was mission why they... off. But like it just sort of seemed that it was very 
underplayed when it you go back to Earth. It was really underplayed. But at the same time, like, there's this thing where, because he goes, I survived. Mm. And they're saying, all the other people didn't survive. I survived. I should feel something. Yeah. So that, that he definitely, like, it has consequences. They're just not affecting him. So mm. we don't get to, like, really see them apart from in these little flashes yeah um the th- uh, that to me made i mean that made much more sense like he only had the escape because he jumped off yeah and his parachute i think that was he the only survivor because other people jumped off and probably parachuted down as well yeah i don't know clearly there was but not- a lot of people died yeah and there was a person who fell who was out there working with him yeah but that person might have also opened their and parachute they might, yeah well that's what i was thinking yeah. they might have opened their parachute there are about two others i think that fell that yeah. were outside but there, that scene so. was really good and it, it actually reminded me of the one of the test pilot scenes that they do with neil armstrong in first man where he's like flying mm-hmm. above the flying very high in the atmosphere because they and, and they even talk about it afterwards like he's got a resting heart rate of like 58 bpm or mm-hmm. never, his heart rate never got above 80 or whatever yeah even when he was falling and because he and he made it through because he he had that level of physical and emotional control and that was what that made me think of first man for yeah sure. that's why i but think this character was based yeah. on him but that scene was so well shot like the way the camera sort of follows him over the edge of the ladder mm. and it just looked magnificent like the the cinematography in this is astonishingly good like yeah. it looks so good plus that was a really interesting scene mm. just generally that like i was really hoping for more of that sort of thing mm. um but, yeah, I, I don't think that that had absolutely no consequences. It's just everything in this movie is really underplayed. Because oh. the danger of that is really what sent them to Neptune to yeah, where yeah. The, um, the pulses yeah, came from. Yeah, there is from. a consequence. It just, the, it seems Why were like the pulses happening? Something to do with the ship? Yeah, but, but we never, it's never explained. Right. But that, when I was talking about that, I was like, he definitely, like, he didn't, there's definitely gravity where he is. Mm. They haven't escaped the Earth gravity yet because he like fe- jumped yeah. down a couple of rungs and then like when he was falling, he yeah. was falling to Earth. Yeah. Like he didn't just sort of go push away from the. It's really so- high up. It's just not. It's not out of the Earth's atmosphere though because it's still. It's not in. It's not dark either. It's still like you still sunlight and stuff. Well, there's still sunlight in space though. Yeah, but like you, you know how the sky gets darker as you get higher up. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. couldn't figure yeah. that out though, and nobody bothers to explain anything. No. Like, how does Mars work? How does, he's he go, he's walking into Mars and he's like, oh, it's been seven, seven weeks since air. And I'm like, well, you're breathing, so there's air. Yeah. What are you talking about? I guess he means fresh. He, I assumed he meant fresh air. But And sunshine. And, yeah. I, I like explanations of how some things work. Yeah, like, well, like Mars 2001, is all underground can... and they have, they've clearly got some kind of reason. But there's no explanation. But, yeah, 2001 will ponderously tell you how all that stuff works. <laughs> Yeah, because it cares about sci-fi. This and only it cares, cares about, about the, the ideas. It cares about the world building, and this doesn't really care about all that. No, which is that I mean, I just wanted to know how some things were happening or how yeah. they worked. We he says it's know been everything. seven weeks, and I'm like, I could have been a week yeah. for all I know. Like it could have been a couple days. Well, like because, I don't didn't mm. see weeks happening in no, this time because they did talk about. I think they say like 21 days to get to Mars, get from the Moon to Mars, and then 79 days from the Mars to Neptune. Mars to Neptune. Um, but like we don't know like how long does it take to get to the moon when you fly commercial to the moon? They don't say. No. People are doing it all the time, clearly. So. Yeah, clearly it's it's such a thing that yeah. 
whatever. I know. <laughs> just, and all of this stuff. And it's like in the not too distant future, right? So yeah. that they didn't have to put a time limit there's, on it. Yeah. And the, well, there's no, they very specifically don't put a date on it. Yeah. But just sort of looking at it, like you would think it would probably be in the next 50, is set in like the next 50 years or the next 100 years, maybe? It's yeah. Not, not distant future. It can't future. be 50, right? It, it just can't be. Because Ruth Necker was born on Mars. Mm. So it's got to be. So, like, and she's. It's got to be like, f- what, late 30s, 40 ish? Yeah. So it's got to be at least like more than that, like a hundred years in the future, maybe. Right. So, and they if, have to have established that col- that yeah, colony on Mars for a certain amount of time are before actually birthing yeah. children on there. Yeah. Yeah. And yet they keep talking about how like Tommy Lee Jones was the first to pl- go to lots of places. Yeah. I don't know. No, I don't know either. <laughs> but also, I noticed climate change doesn't seem to be a problem for everybody. Yeah. Um, and they also do. A, there is also a reference to Apollo Eleven as well. Like there's a or the space program or something in the moon. Mm. I don't. I couldn't figure out the timeline or anything. Well, yeah. Clearly, the moon, the whole moon thing, had popped up since Dad had been gone. Yeah. Since Tommy Lee Jones had been gone. Because... Yeah. Well, this, he says our oh, Dad would hate this. Yeah. Yeah. So the moon hasn't been colonized that long, like less so, than thirty years. Right. But then, but Ruth Negger was... was born on Mars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so how did that work? Did we colonize Mars first? That seems odd. That's what I mean. This movie no. has weird things going on and nobody bothers to explain anything. So no. you just have to sort of guess. Yeah. Like, I guess this is what's happening. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I guess that now we have all this stuff that does this thing and that thing mm. and something else. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I did enjoy the space buggies action scene. Though. Oh, the right. Yeah. The, the um, pirate chase. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was really good as well. I liked the pirate chase, mm. although it did feel a bit... And a lot of the adventures in this movie felt a bit like mm, complicating the situation, yeah. like unnecessarily unnecessary complications. Yes, I I felt like that. There was um, like he gets a hole in his spacesuit at one point, and the um the the parachute thing is the same. It's like that thing in screenwriting books about and then mm-hmm. and then what what's what else happens and and then just as you think this is going to work, send this like send this complication their mm-hmm. way. Just yeah, yeah, exactly. I just. I think, the, but I think do think the most egregious of those is him having to sneak onto the spaceship oh and then all the people God, dying. Yes, because you're like that was so unnecessary. No, it was so unnecessary. Yeah, it does absolutely nothing. He never gets repercussions for it. He like I was like when he was going back to Earth, and he was like, oh, I can't wait to whatever be free again. <laughs> yeah, or end my isolation or whatever it was. And I'm like, yeah. dude, you're just gonna be put in jail. Yeah, like you're gonna go straight to jail for murdering all those people and but sneaking no. onto that. Yeah, and um, yeah, sneaking onto that shit, stowing away. No, no repercussions. No, every he went against all of his orders, and before that, everybody was treating him like some sort of idiot criminal. Yeah. So, like, why were there no problems when he got back? Yeah. Like, why did he get to just walk back to into his normal life? No, that doesn't make any sense to me. He was even doing a psyche valve, which meant he was going back into space again. Yeah. Why? 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 How, why? Is there, how is there no consequence for any of this? Yeah. Anyway, I don't, yeah, I saw a lot of people just raving over this and I was like, I don't understand it. No, no. I don't understand the raving. I don't understand it's, why it's got people some, yeah, like, I think really love this movie. It's got some good technical stuff. Like like we said, the, the cinematography and the sound mix are phenomenal, but like that stuff doesn't make a movie, you know, no. like it's. It's this. It literally makes a movie, but not. No, but it it doesn't like the script is weak. Mm. Yeah, and and it's sort of the story isn't there. Yeah, and the world building as well, discussed. We but the te- about- technically, there's some really amazing stuff in there, and I can 
I can sort of see, like as you say, like the people who are into 2001 A Space Odyssey, those kind of people, you can see how they would get into it. Mm. But also those people are like really deep nerds. Mm. So they would definitely have all these questions that we have, like how did Tommy Lee Jones survive and how did this happen? And yeah, I think, well, I think the film people who like 2001 for film reasons probably liked this. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about the ending and you said, said it was really bleak. Well, I actually, when I said, I actually meant the reunion with his dad is bleak. The ending is actually less bleak, but yeah. Well, I think the only thing about that that I would say is like he kicks off from the station mm. and then pulls Brad Pitt with him. And then he's like, oh, you have to let me go. Mm. And I was like, well, why did you kick off from the station and yank him with you then, dickwad? Yeah. Like, couldn't you have just like cut it or let go somehow yeah. or something at some point Not instead of trying to drag it. you with him with you and then like that <laughs> it didn't make sense didn't well, make a lot any of sense the things didn't make a whole lot of sense um that reunion was again very underplayed but mm. there was this interesting kind of tenderness in the way that he was putting the suit back on his dad and then like wanting to bring him with him and stuff yeah that i really thought could have been really interesting and played in more well, detail this is the thing Brad Pitt did everything in that scene he mm. really worked it and the movie didn't establish it well enough for it to feel earned like he worked so hard to make that work and to, to make to put every little bit of like the emotion of this reunion and the into it and mm. it, it the movie hadn't built it up properly yeah it also reminded me of how weird the messages he sent out like he signed them yeah and I was like, they're, they're spoken messages. I know. It's um, very strange. <laughs> but um, no, the the reunion stuff and things like that, like I read a bit of an interview with Brad Pitt before I saw the movie mm. and he was talking about trying to get in touch with vulnerability and things for the yeah. movie. And I thought that was really interesting. And I could see that. What I could yeah. see the work he was doing in that scene and stuff. And I was like, well, this is really neat. And like it, it does something with father-son relationships that I think a lot of movies would be afraid to do. Mm. So I kind of appreciated that and would have liked it yeah. to tease that out a bit more and make it more yeah. actu- like concrete instead of all being very abstract and mm. thoughtful and stuff. It was – because it was interesting to me in those regards. Yeah. Um, although I do have a note at that point that says something like two stubborn murderers fighting in space. Yeah. Because um, that's what they are at that point. Pretty much. Oh, and there's there's all these callbacks as well. Like he reaches out and he touches his dad. And in the earlier part of the movie, he was mm-hmm. like, just don't touch me mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it was interesting to see those parallels. I actually thought he might be some sort of neuroatypical at the beginning of the film. Yep. Um, I was like, like ticking little well, boxes. Yeah, but. well, again, that that um, Neil Armstrongness, yeah. you know, that sort of really cool, logical Mister Spock aspect. Well, to the him. other person it reminds me of uh, r- reminds me of is the guy who climbs, does the free climbing, mm. who is autistic, mm. um, but has that very kind of yeah. clinical detached, but also focuses on that to the. Um, exclusion of all others, including his girlfriend and all that sort of thing. Yes. Like that, it rem- free solo. Yeah, that guy. guy. And it reminded me of that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also like callbacks in the dialogue at the beginning of the movie. Brad Pitt is doing this thing and he's talking about, you know, I'm only focusing on the essential things and letting go of anything that's unimportant yeah. and immediately shoots Liv yeah. Tyler. And then at the end he's like, I'm only focusing on what's essential and then it immediately shoots Liv Tyler. Yep. And you're like, I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Eve. Yeah. Oh my god! I think some oh, yeah. names in this might be um, 
might be references to things, but I couldn't oh, figure out what. Yeah, there were some really obvious ones as well. Oh, that's right. At the beginning of the movie, he says something like, I've always wanted to be an astronaut because I wrote, ever since I can remember, I've always wanted to be a gangster. <laughs> <laughs> Again, although much better movies. Mm. Oh, I didn't know what... You know when Donald Sutherland is dying yep. at, from nothing and... <laughs> Consumption. No, he's dying from plot irrelevance. Like he's no longer going to be relevant to the plot, so he has to die now. Yeah. Um, He um, gives Brad Pitt something, and it kind of I couldn't figure out what it was. And then he was like, "It's so important." I was like, "If it's so important, dude, just tell him." And then later on, we see that it's a. He does say it's a um, it's the God. It's like a data thing. It's it's. Oh, does he say? Yeah, no, he does say what it is. But I was like, I couldn't understand clearly. it's ve- yeah, it's meant and it's meant to be like a physical bit of media, like data, like a USB storage. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. No, he does say what that is. Okay, I missed it then. Yeah, um, this is another thing. Even if they didn't explain what was happening, it was so lost in the film. There's so much going on that yeah. Um, I have, I have notes where I get like they're oblivious to my purpose. I'm so special and important. Um, <laughs> That is that is word for word the dialogue. It is, he doesn't say the special and important. He I does know. say I'm oblivious to my they're I, oblivious I to my purpose though. The the special and important is implied. Yes. Um, that's when they put he puts in the like slight country sort of sound to the score. Mm. Oh yeah, because you we, that we actually talked about that off air. The score you talked about how it was interesting and they melded in some country notes. Oh, did we talk about the, that off air? Yeah, with the I, space. I um, was interested music. in the score. It was definitely more interesting to me than the recycled La La Land score that they did, that the guy did for First Man that mm-hmm. everybody went crazy over. And I was like, but it's the same like note progression. Yeah. <laughs> he used the same, same music. Um, this score was really odd. Um, yeah. And I really appreciated that in some places. I think this whole soundscape of the movie yeah. is really interesting. It was really good. The way they pull out certain sounds and don't have others and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that the sound works around their buggy on the moon as well is super cool oh yeah no i really liked that yeah max richter was the composer who's i mean he's done um a few things that we've seen like mary queen of scots oh yeah i got super excited because they had a little clip of the nicholas brothers in this movie (laughs) that's all who the nicholas brothers i didn't Um, see that tap dancing there were tap dancers oh is that what that was yeah from the 30s or whenever they're these really really underrated tap dancers they Mm. they were considered the best tap dancers of their time and they were in a few movies but oh, right. largely because they were black they tended to be overlooked yeah um but yeah really really good so if we can put in a clip of the nicholas brothers that'd be great i will do that <laughs> and then i wrote teal and orange yes there was quite a bit of teal and orange and the, i mean there's they actually go through the full spectrum when he's for i think it's when he's up on the space aerial mm. um they you watch the colors to, it's, yeah, it's the very opening scene you watch like the colors reflect off his helmet mm. and, and they go like red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet across the spectrum. Oh, okay, cool. Um, it's very, oh, yeah, like the visuals on this are amazing. I'm not like, yeah, no, no shade on that at, at all. Like, it's really beautifully shot, as I say. Technically so, lovely, but. I was looking up the uh, cinematographer for First Man. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, it's probably one of whoever. It's um, a guy called Linus Sandgren. He's worked with. He also worked on La La Land and Battle of the Sexes. Yeah. All oh, right. So yeah, but Hoyt van Hoytmer is obviously Christopher Nolan's longtime yeah. collaborator, um, and has a very particular style. Which this is movie did look very interstellar. Deployed, yeah, deployed to good effect. Yes, it did look very interstellar. But I I thought it was better than Interstellar, but yeah. 
But the, the, I thought it looked look, better than Interstellar. Oh, it looked better. Yeah. Look, Interstellar is another movie that's very ideas-focused. Mm. For me, Interstellar, the ending is so dumb that I just can't yeah. sort of get past it. No. Um, but this it has, has some interesting visuals. Interstellar and Interstellar as well. Well, no, but the ending of this I actually liked, mm. like the the very ending of it. And I don't mind the sort of bleakness of him re- reconnecting with his dad because his dad was a dick who murdered yeah. a bunch of people. No, it was like, like, it's that good was... that he stopped being like his dad. Well, I uh, know that, uh, that played out as, as, as it should have played out. Yeah. Yeah, that like a person who's disappointing on Earth is still going to be disappointing if you go all the way to Neptune to try and save them. Yeah, so yeah, I just wish they'd set up the bit about how it was disappointing on Earth a bit better. I I do too, but on top of that, I wish that um, like yeah, the, the concept of him hero worshiping this person who was actually pretty much abu- an abusive dick, mm. and if they'd really pulled that out more, would have been interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but also, um, and also, if he hadn't murdered a bunch of people in yeah. order to do it, that would have been that more interesting been as way well. Better. Like, couldn't he have just like gotten another ship and followed them or something? Yeah, I don't understand why those people had to die. Yeah, there was so just many- so that Brad Pitt could like you know, emotionally settle the score or whatever. Yeah, no, they didn't have to. And there would there were other ways to solve that problem. Three perfectly innocent people died mm. so that Brad Pitt could go and see his dad again and have emotional closure before going back to Earth and facing no consequence for their death. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So what do you think of this movie? <laughs> oh, man, it's really hard because it's technically very good but not very good to watch. So, like, I'm somewhere in the two and a half, three range. So, like – I'd probably go with the th- probably go with the three because I actually didn't have a terrible experience watching it either. But it's there's so many holes in it, so many and monkeys, the rabid monkeys, space monkeys, the rabid space monkeys are just no. Now I'm genuinely wondering if it was a Firefly reference. Although I I feel like rabid space monkeys are also the beginning of no. It's a, there's a mo- there's movies that that's in um, as well. It's not just Rampage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like Prestige. Well, yeah. Like, I can't think. I can't remember any prestige movies that have no. Hang but on, it's, I'm going to find out. Rabid Space Monkeys. Yeah, I, that felt like a reference to something, and it, but it also was so jarring, and it just felt so silly. Okay. Um. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say three as well, because it's really technically good. There were moments that I liked, like the the moon buggy. Yeah. Car chase and uh, moon buggy chase and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I think I liked this movie more when it wasn't being absurdly ponderous and also like when brad pitt's speaking mm. and not doing voiceover you don't get the sense that he has the um vocabulary or the speaking st- like every all of his psych session voiceovers mm. sound like something that he would write in a psychology textbook yeah, yeah. and he's reading it off a page absolutely yeah. Like, it doesn't sound like anything that he would say because he never talks like that when we mm. see him. Yeah. If you Google rabid space monkeys, by the way, it's all ad astra, ad astra, ad astra. God damn it. <laughs> I want to know the other rabid space monkeys things. We, we, we can I look. mean, 2001 yeah. starts with apes yeah. going ape, but it's not like rabid space monkeys attacking people. The only other things that I can remember that from are in Rampage, there's something else too. Yeah. I will, we'll look it up and um, pop it in the show notes if we can find it. But, yeah, it definitely feels like a reference to something else. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, I better to wrap up because it's my baby crying. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. And if you would like to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>